spending the last seven weeks, we've been spending time talking about in the wild. We have seen so much in the last almost two years, seeing many deaths. Thank God not at Living Word, just many family members of people passed away at Living Word, but by God's grace, only one person that was in a nursing home. But we've seen many deaths. We've seen many painful situations over this last almost two years. We've been in the wild and we're going to be in the wild. Because the Bible says these are the last days. And things are going to get worse. Looking at the news last night, we saw people running from a volcano. Now you can see the, vol the dust, the volcanic dust on their heels. This is the last days. This is what we're talking about. Christ has been talking about, has been saying what will take place. And we've approached this in several ways these last few weeks. Last few weeks. And I'm going to put that up on the screen as a way of reminding us where we have been in the last seven years as to how as believers, how as Christians, how as people who say we believe in God and we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean to us? Here's the first thing before we begin this message today. The first thing we looked at was God will take us out of the way. He will stretch us in directions that we don't want to go. He would stretch us. And he take us in ways that don't make sense. It doesn't make sense to go the long way. It makes sense to go the short way. Across the Red Sea on the shallow end and face an enemy that he's going to destroy anyway. It's the second thing we find that we did these last seven weeks. We set steps to faith. In other words, he put us, put them in the Red Sea and let that Red Sea crash down on the enemy. And not until they were in the middle of the Red Sea did he let that enemy be destroyed. So he let them have a way of not returning because they kept saying they're going to return. Over and over again, we see in this passage again today, we can go back to Egypt. We fire Moses and go back to Egypt. And God made sure they couldn't because it was a step to faith. When you're in the wild, you got to trust the person who's leading you. Here's, a, here's the third thing he says. We're in his hands. Now you're in the wilderness. There's scorpions, there's snakes. There are all these different things taking place in the wilderness. Now we're in the wilderness. The promised land for us is heaven. That's the promised land for us. So we are just like them in the wilderness. Same system that they had, we have. That is the blood on the doorposts. <laughs> That's Jesus Christ's blood on the cross. Them being in slavery, where well, we were once in the slavery to sin. It's not any different. He's taking this nation to teach us what it's like. That's what he's doing. He takes this nation, teaches us what it's like, and then he moves on. So he's teaching us that in the wilderness, this is how life is. You've got enemies on all sides. You've got scorpions. You've got all kinds of issues. There could be dust storms that could have wiped them out. They had all these different things that could have happened, and he preserved them in the wilderness because in the wilderness, you're in his hands. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. You're in my hands. You're in my hands to breed. You're in my hands to find food to eat. Manna came from heaven. You're in my hands to wake up in the morning because I got to sustain. You're in my hands to keep disease from your body because there's no doctor out there. You're in my hands every moment of every day. He teaches us what it's like to be in his hands. And then when they're in their hands, he says, you must stay steady. They got tired of waiting for Moses to come down from the mountain and they decided to go get themselves another God. And the Bible says, no, 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 no. You got to be like Joshua and Caleb. Stay steady. No matter how bad things look, stay the course because you're in his hands. You got to walk by faith and it's going to be his way, not our way. And then the other thing we looked at is you have to be relentless. Relentless. Moses was relentlessly saying, God, come on, walk with us, walk with us. Come on, God, don't walk away. Don't turn away. Stick with us. Moses kept praying and praying and praying and praying. He was relentless, and his leadership, relentless leadership, allowed him to do what we did last week, and that is 
he was able to overcome the insurmountable objects, obstacles that was in his way. He was able to overcome the insurmountable obstacles that was in his way. So today, how do we see God in the thick and thin? In the thick and thin, let us stand. You know what? Be seated for just a minute. Just a minute. Lindia, would you stand for a minute? Let's give God praise. Thank you, Lindia. Thank you for your years of service. Thank you for your hard work. We thank you a lot. You, you meant a lot, and you still mean a lot to this ministry. And you just can't go to Wichita Falls and just be gone. Today, we appreciate you, and we thank you. Thank you so much. Let's look at number, numbers, numbers chapter 14, verse 20. Numbers chapter 14, verse 20. Living word. This is, we have to find a path forward. Here you pastor today. We have to find a path forward. I wish I could map that out and like the alphabet in the ABC, this is the way to go. I am I'm seeking God just like you. I just got to make sure I don't hurt you. And I'll work hard at that. I will never take you for granted as a sheep. Never. Never. It's not going to happen. I understand it's not me first. It's him first, then you, then me. I get it. But we got to find a path forward. We can't become lazy staying at the house and not coming to Bible study, not being a part of Life app, not being in our prayer revival because of the virus. They got another variant out there. This is not going anywhere. The question is, what is his path forward when you're in the wilderness? They had no doctors, no nurses, no medicine. And they lived. You know, what, you know when Joshua fought that war? You know how old he was? He probably was, a, most people believe, that Joshua was a young man around 30. 40 years later, he's about 70. Caleb crossing into the Jordan, there's documented that Caleb was 85 years old. How are you going to be 85 carrying a sword, jumping across a wall? Because God sustained you. Because you stayed the course. No doctors. Moses, he was told to go up a hill and die. You ought to read the end of Deuteronomy. Moses did not ail in his eyes or his strength or his health. That's why he could tell him, climb the mountain and you will die. You don't climb no mountain at 120 years old. I thank God I make it up these steps. Please, we have to find a path forward. I always tell the staff, God's going to either tell you to stand because there's just too many darts, or he's going to tell you to walk. But there's never run. There's no armor in the back. And Numbers 14.20 says, And the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word, but indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs which I have performed in Egypt and in the wilderness yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice, God counted, shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of them who spawned me see it but my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession, all the way down generations. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites live in the valleys, turn tomorrow, set out to the wilderness by the sea, 
of the red, by the way of the Red Sea. Start over. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that this stuff is nothing new to you. <laughs> Satan got no new tricks. Whatever he did then, he's going to do now. So God, I pray that as a church, as a body, we stay within your structure, but that we trust you. At least in this place, we show trust, faith in you, confidence in you. As we do so, Lord, watch over us and keep us, preserve us, we ask, just like you did this nation. In Jesus' name, bless this message. So it's a message to our hearts and to our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When things were thick, the nation of Israel was able to see the miracles in Egypt. When things were thick, they were able to see God powerfully use Moses as their leader, Joshua, Caleb, Aaron, these four mighty men of God to cross over the Red Sea. They saw this army that once brutalized them washed away when things were thick. But things got thin. <laughs> things got thin. Things got thin when you decide to follow God. God has a way of presenting to you the cross, the resurrection, the Holy Spirit poured into your life. He tells you how you're going to be able to achieve great things and God is, con is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. He was in you is greater than he was in the world. All these wonderful things because things are thick. But Satan is loose. The Bible says he's a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. He wants to devour us, not take little bitty bites out of us. He wants to devour us. You know, when uh, we were at the table and my son uh, would eat, I used to say to him, son, do you know why God gave you teeth? Oh, Dad, what are you talking about? Why did God give you teeth? Son, not so you could smile and look pretty or handsome. It is so you can chew the food. You swallow it. You just be two bites boom, down your throat. Chew your food. The Bible says Satan ain't trying to chew nothing. He just devours take big bites out of us. Discouragement, big bites. Financial difficulty, big bites. <laughs> Marital duress, big bites. Singleness that ain't going away. Loneliness, big bites. Job stress, big bites. He wants to keep biting at us, biting at us, biting at us, biting at us. Ah, but the Bible is saying, it doesn't matter how many bites he has. When it gets thin, God is there. It just depends on how we function, how we operate. And that's what he's going to tell Moses. He says, Moses, all right, I listen to your prayers. I get what you're saying. I understand that you are praying and calling out to me for these folks. And the funny thing is, God promised Moses a whole new group of people. He said to Moses, Moses, don't worry about it. Just let these folks die. I'll give you a whole new group. But Moses keep praying for the same people. I, I could, we don't have the time to go in and show you. Two times in Exodus 34, he told them. Exodus 32, he told them that. He told them that here in Numbers. I'll just give you a whole new group of people, Moses. Don't worry about it. Moses says, no, God. I want you to save them. I want you to take care of them. And God says, okay, Moses. When things get thin, I want you to know I'm still committed to you. Please remember that. Because a lot of times when things get thin, we want to desert God. We want, you know, hey, man, you know what? I've been praying, calling on God, giving to God, serving God. Look at me. I can't find a job. My car is a hoopty. My marriage is stressed. Where is God? When things get thin, we tend to think God is backed up on us. What God wants to show them is that when things are thin, he's deciding you're not going into the promised land. I'm not taking you with that attitude into the promised land. It's not happening. 
But what I will do is stay committed to you. You know, you could, we could sit here and bust God's chops about, oh, God, you let these people go in the wilderness and die. They walked around 40 years. It's a time to live and a time to die. What was God saying? You can't be in the promised land, but I'm going to still give you a lifespan. That's grace. Ain't no doctors. Ain't no nurses. Ain't no hospitals. He still gives them their lifespan. That's why sometimes you want to know, why do people who don't obey God keep living? I gave them a time to live and a time to die. They will be accountable for all that time. All that time they will come to heaven or go to hell and be accountable for that time. He says, I'll be accountable for every word we speak. We'll be accountable for the time he's given us. So some of us got to understand, the more time, the more accountability. I'll give you the time. Because I gave you a time to live and a time to die. So in spite of the fact they can't go into the promised land, he gave them time. And he remains committed to them. He doesn't walk away from them. He remains committed. Look at verse 20. He remains committed to them. Watch this carefully. He says, so the Lord said, I have pardoned them. I have pardoned them. That's a powerful word. What well, it literally means, and you got to remember now, these were obstinate people. And he keeps saying they're an obstinate people. Obstinate, obstinate is different than a group of people who just won't listen to God when they don't feel like it. Obstinate people is <laughs> rebellious to the bone. It's a child that stands and looks at you when they know they ain't got no money, no job, can't get a job because they're 14. And they're going to tell you what they think about you asking them to do dishes. And they're going to walk in the room and slam the door that you pay for. And lay on the bed that you bought. That is what the Bible means by a person who difference between a person who sins and a person who's obstinate. I want you to see how bad this is. Look at verse 39. These people are obstinate. They don't care to do nothing God says unless they agree with it. If they don't agree with it, they're going to do what they want to do. Look at verse 39. And verse 39, after God says, you're not going into the promised land, he says, when Moses spoke to these words to all the sons of Israel, the people mourned greatly. They mourned greatly. In the morning, however, 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 they rose up early. And went out to the ridge of the hill country saying, here we are. We have indeed sinned, but we will go up. <laughs> Watch this carefully. They get up early in the morning. They go up to the ridge country. They say, we have sinned, but we will go up to the place where God has promised. We're going to do this anyway. But Moses said, why then are you transgressing the commandment of the Lord when it will not succeed? Do not go up, or you will be struck down before your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. You say, you would think, okay, you know what? We're not going to go now, because Moses is right. Nuh-uh. For the Amalekites, the Canaanites, will be there in front of you, and you will fall by the sword inasmuch as you have turned back from following the Lord, and the Lord will not be with you. Here's the word, verse 44. But they went up heedlessly. To the ridge of the hill country. And look what? They didn't even take the ark. They said, neither the ark or the covenant of the Lord nor Moses left the camp. We are not with you. And they ain't took the word of God with them. They already fired the leader. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in the land in the hill country came down and struck them and beat them down as far as as Hormon. Why? That's the people that God pardoned. See, we have a way of looking at God as this tough, mean, hard guy that wants to kill everybody. No, 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 no. God is not trying to be. God says right there, Moses says, I know you. Look at, look at earlier part of chapter 14, verse 18. The Lord is slow to anger. Even, Mo, even Jonah said that. Abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression. That's who he is. For God so loved the world he gave. But he by no means cleared the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third generation. That doesn't exist in the New Testament by the grace of God. But understand, I 
I'm a gracious God. I'm a loving God. I'm slow to anger. It is us who push the button. It is not God walking around saying, who could I kill today? Satan is a murderer. Satan came to kill and to steal and to destroy. That's not God. That's Satan. God is loving and kind and gracious and slow to anger, but he is a holy God. He's a just God. So he can't keep letting sin going on over and over again and then still call himself just. So since he's a just God, we are the ones that make him say, enough. He doesn't do that. We do that. Uh, people always say, well, God must be mad at us. God, the Bible says clearly, God took out his anger on Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 says that God is at peace with us because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So God is not angry at us. He's at peace with us. We are angry with him. We don't want to listen to him. We don't care when the Bible contradicts what we believe. We turn on him. That's what we do. Just the issue of homosexuality right now. Any preacher that talks about it gets into trouble. There was a mayor trying to look at people's sermons to see what they're saying to stop it in Houston. Why? God loves everybody. That's true. But God is, doesn't tolerate sin. That's it. So when people talk about it, oh man, here you go again. Oh man, why you got to talk? We get upset. Not because God is upset, but because we don't like what he says. God says, go into that land. Oh, they're giants. I ain't going. Go into that land. The walls are double reinforced. We can't get through those walls. Go into that land. Oh yeah, it's full with milk and honey, but we ain't going to fight these people. They're not going to happen. But when God says no, guess what they say? Yes. <laughs> People, I learned this when my kids were small. The first word they learned to say, probably the second word after dad and mom, because I was excited they said dad first. So my wife says, you got to stop me. You got to stop tripping. I carried him nine months. So stop tripping. I'm, I'm going to keep tripping because he said dad first. Maybe you ate too much during them nine months and made him feel bad. I don't know. But he said dad first. I was tripping about it. The very next word was no. <laughs> I learned right away I got a child that is born in sin, shaped in iniquity with foolishness in their heart. The very next word, this brother walks up to me and say, in my face, staring me right in the eye is no. I said, what is this? Folks, he was born into the family, fed in the family, cared for in the family. Who's loving the whole time? The parents. Who's the one saying no? The child with a rebellious nature that now has to face the consequences for saying no, it's, it's not God. We keep blaming God. God is not a killer. God is a lover. Satan is the killer. So when we decide to say no to God, we run into a Satan who says, I'm here to kill, steal, and destroy. We keep blaming God. God is saying, okay, listen, I'm going to pardon you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to act like nothing ever happened to you. I'm not going to give you the promised land, but I'm going to act like nothing ever happened. Why you say that? Forty years in the wilderness, he fed them manna. He gave them water. He took care of them. He still kept the fire and the cloud. He still watched over them. He still had the smoke coming down over the holies of holies. He still did everything when they came to the temple to forgive them of sins. God preserved and kept them. It was the people who constantly kept coming against God. And that's why God says, I will pardon you. Moses can't pardon you. Aaron can't pardon you. The temple and all the animals you're killing can't pardon you. Only I can pardon you. The depth of your sin has to match the level of my love in order for to me to pardon you. Oh, folks, he is the one that's committed. We're the ones that are not. We keep blaming God. It's not God. God kept us through this virus. 
He kept us. He watched over us. He preserved our kids when they had to go back to school. Some folks that got the virus, he restored you without any damage to your lungs. How much more love does he have to show? How much more commitment to us that don't do everything right every day does he have to demonstrate? He has watched over us. Some folks still got jobs. In the midst of sitting in a pandemic for all these years, I am just disappointed in some people who are complaining, I ain't got no Christmas gift. You better be glad you're still in Christmas. <laughs> Understand, God has shown his love, his commitment. Because his, love by its very nature is commitment. That's love. Love is what? Forgives everything. Don't hoard everything. Don't, don't keep a record of everything. What's love saying? I'm going to love you no matter what you do. That's love. That's why the Bible is saying God is love. He's showing by love you can't help but pardon. Well, folks, that's why he says this. I have pardoned them according to your word. I will respect your leadership, Moses. I'll respect your leadership but I'm going to hold them accountable. And watch this. Look, look, look what he says here. He says, I will respect your leadership, but I'm going to let the world know I haven't died. Think, think about it. Think about this. They didn't go into promised land. Right? What does that make the enemy look? Tough. They came up to us, and they backed down. They couldn't do it. They saw how walls are reinforced and thick. They saw how mighty and strong we are, how vicious we are as warriors. So guess what? They backed up. They saw what's going on and backed up. God says, no, I ain't punking out like that. What's going to happen here, even though you're not going into the promised land, and I'm going to forgive you of your sins and let you live out your life. <laughs> I need the world to know that I'm God. I don't back down from no fight. You back down from the fight. I'm God. That's why I say, folks, you either stay in the fight and experience his power or stay out of the fight and watch his glory. <laughs> it's better to be in the fight and stand in front of a Goliath and see Goliath fall down than to keep running and then have to watch his glory. God is going to be glorified. Even the rocks will cry out. God is going to get his glory. I never forget the day he reminded me of that. I'm on my knees in my sister's bedroom, and I'm praying. I honestly didn't want anybody to be there. I wanted to pray. And so I was in there praying on my knees, and God, there are people walking around this house praying. There are people all around the world praying. Please, if you... Take this, my sister, raise her up from a cancer that has no, no medical procedures for. There is nothing they could do. This is a cancer that is so rare, they got no process to resolve it. You will get the glory. I never forget the moment that happened. I felt this moment when I stepped out into Africa. There was some kind of power that came over me. I felt this heavy thing on me. And all I could understand it saying was, how dare you tell me how I get glory? I left the room. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I got up. I went to stepping. Told my brothers and sisters, our sister's not going to be here. The Bible says... God, no matter what we do, will get the glory. <laughs> to see her children all around the world, see her children out front more than they've ever been before, God is getting the glory. <laughs> it, it, it's, it is interesting to please understand what he's saying here is there'll be such a cloud over you. It will be so heavy. They will see my works function so powerfully that there is no way when you are walking away from the fight, they don't see 
my presence. Not the first time he's done this. When they were getting ready to go through the Red Sea and they turned their backs to Egypt, he puts a cloud, a Shekinah glory between Egypt and the Israelites so that the Egyptians couldn't get them. Because our backs are exposed. The armor is only in the front. So he protected their backs because he knows Satan will come to their backs to destroy them because he knows that's their weak point. And the Bible says God brought glory to block them. God says when you're walking around in this wilderness, I will receive glory. I read it to you last week in Joshua chapter 2, folks. In Joshua chapter 2, he said, Rahab said, let me tell you what these folk were thinking about you when you were out there. They were scared of you. Their knees were knocking. Giants' knees were knocking and shaking and going through all kind of stuff. Why? They were afraid of your God. So they ran for 40 years from somebody who was afraid of them while they were running. That's why I say to you, it is better to be in the will of God than to be in a storm on the, on the sea, to be in a lion's den, to face Goliath, than to be outside the will of God only to have to watch his glory. Because God going to have his glory. God going to have his moment where his magnificent power will be manifested in such a way all you can say is to God be the glory. Great things he has done. That's all you can stand up and say. Because God will never let anyone ever think he's not God. He reigns. So I say this again. It is better to be in God's glory than to stand and watch outside of it and still be in a fight. Watch this. It says, the filled with the glory of the Lord and he says, when that happens, please remember, I'm a just God. <laughs> Look at verse 22. I'm a just God. I, that scares me. I am a just God. Moses, I ain't going to forget, but I will remember to bless you. Look at verse 22. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs. I've already shown them my glory. They're going to experience this one, but I've already shown them <laughs> my glory. They've seen the Red Sea. They have seen all of the powerful things happening with the Egyptians. They saw what they saw. They know I'm God. Look at what he says here, which I performed in Egypt. In the wilderness, all these things, they went to war. Not one soldier died. Not one soldier died in that war. Not one. He says right here, he says, I didn't see it, yet have put me to the test. Oh, man, if that does not concern you, these 10 times, God is counting, boy. That's why I always tell people, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is simply, despite what the person has done, I'm going to do what God says. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do on the cross. Why? Because this blood provides forgiveness. So it doesn't really matter what took place in the past. It's how the person who understands the will of God is going to act in the present. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting. God is saying, hey, no, 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 it was ten times. We don't have the time to go to all those scriptures. Ten times they told me, no, I ain't doing what you say. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it my way. Ten times, he says, and even though I have pardoned them these ten times, please remember the contrast. I have shown them in their unwillingness to listen to me. I have shown them that I'm God. How could they see that I am God and still do what they did ten times? They saw my glory. They saw my power. And ten times they said, I ain't doing it. Well, folks, where are you with God? You know, God is a gracious God. But everybody's running around saying God is so loving, he's kind, he's gracious, he's slow to anger. Remember Romans chapter 6. Grace does not abound so that I sin. 
Grace abounds like in a football field. You got out, you got out of bounds in a football field. And when you are playing as the Cowboys against the Saints, you can get to the goal line. Because all you got to do is to stay within the bounds. You got to stay within the bounds. You can run here. You can run there. You can run anywhere. You can turn around and go the opposite way, come back another way. You got all this stuff to go through with to beat the saints again and again. <laughs> Couldn't help it. I'm going to get two people mad up in here but they ain't going to throw no rocks at me. They didn't text me back. I text them after the game. They didn't text me back. So you know what that means. We don't know how to tell our pastor what we feel right now. So it's better to keep our mouth shut because we don't really even, we didn't even, we don't even care about this game. They got all these excuses. We didn't have our quarterback. We didn't have this. I ain't want to hear that. We won. It's a W. <laughs> You could run in any direction you want to run in. But you got to stay, fix your eyes on Jesus. You got to stick with the, 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 the playbook. You can't take your eyes off the playbook. You got to listen to the coach. There's an owner named God. And the Bible is saying there's some folks out on the field called referees. That's the Holy Spirit in your life saying, you yeah, know you're wrong. The Holy Spirit saying, I convict you of your sin. Where are we today? Are we in this verse or are we not? Because God will literally look at us and say, you will not see what I have for you. The blessings I have for you, the things I have in store for you, I end up giving it to somebody else. Lydia did not put down the talent he gave her. So when he gets to heaven, guess what? I'll give you more talents because the person who's faithful with a few things, I'll bless with more. We get to heaven, there's no more because we buried it. Ain't got time. Stuff is just busy. I don't know what I could, I can't find time to work, take care of children, and then turn around, go to the church and serve. I ain't got time. Whose time are we on? Time to live and a time to die. Who is giving us the clock? But we tell him these things. The Bible says, I'm keeping a record. Not that the record will hurt you in the New Testament. It just steals your blessings in the New Testament. It don't kill you in the New Testament, even though there's a sin that leads to death. Got sin in the New Testament. We have time to go there, but I give you the verses. It's 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. And that attached to the Lord's Supper as well. That if a person persists in a sin and persists in a sin, persists in a sin, no matter what you tell them, they're going to keep doing what they're going to do. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. There's spiritual death where God don't talk to them no more. And then there's physical death because now they're in the hands of Satan. That's why the Bible is saying even though God does not keep a record, they're in a conditional covenant. A conditional covenant is if Deuteronomy 28. If you do these things, you're blessed. If you don't do them, you're cursed. We're not under the conditional covenant. We're under an unconditional covenant through Jesus Christ. So we have grace, but the Bible is saying grace does not abound so that we sin. Grace abounds so that we have enough room around the football field to get to the goal line. So we mess up, we confess sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us, so we keep running the race that is set before us. He says, we understand if a person says they have no sin, they're a liar, and the truth is not in them. Just keep running the race that I set before you, and I'm good with that. But a person who takes that for granted and runs all over the place, go up in the stands and want to know what y'all buying about. I got the ball, come up here. The person who wants to do things their way, the Bible says after a while, I, I, they, they've closed the book. Roman Hebrews chapter 6, they don't read this. They do what they feel, what they think, what the, the anxieties tell them to think. Just like these people do. Their anxieties told them what to think. Their, 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 their fears told them what to do. Their, 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 their gossip, slanderous background against all these situations that God put them in caught them to believe in whatever the spy says. Rather than, what is God saying? They closed the book. Their emotions made them close the book. Their logical thinking made them close the book. 
So God says, you're on your own. Same thing happens in Hebrews chapter 6. Apostasy. I leave you on your own. So folks, that's why he's saying we wouldn't see the blessings he has for us. We don't see the blessings. Everybody needs blessings. I don't know about you, but I literally see, see myself every day understanding that, God, I am going out into a world where 50,000 people die in car wrecks every year. 50,000. 50,000. I'm driving into that. God, I sit in restaurants and eat. I don't know what them folks did in the kitchen. That's why y'all be going, all this stuff in the restaurant. I, I'm always very pleasant. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> I mean, I don't care nothing. That's why only one time, and I got a bunch of people that made me do it, and I should not have let them do it. One time I took, took, let them take my food back in my life. If the food ain't that good, I know not to come back. I'll go ahead and make my way through the food. I just know I don't like that restaurant and don't go back. I don't send my food back. I got it the first time. Hallelujah. Why will I give them another shot at it? I'm not doing it. I did that once in my entire life as I let a bunch of people tell me, come on, man, send it back, send it back. I let them do that, and I made a mistake. I should have never done it. I don't send my food back. I give you one shot while I'm being nice, and I promise to give you a tip. Because some of y'all wrong. Y'all be talking crazy and give a dollar. No, 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 no. If I know I'm going back to that restaurant, I sure give them their tip. Why? Because they're going to say, oh, he tips good. Guess what they're going to do? Feed me good. That's why I do it. See, I got something going on. Some of us don't understand that. We need blessings every day, every moment of every day. You don't want to be outside the will of God, folks. Don't try him. Don't try him. He's a patient God. Don't let his patience twist you up. Don't. He's a patient God. But when he's done, I tell people that in my office many times. When God says he's done, don't come in my office. I can't pray for you. I can't do nothing. When done for God is done, done. Don't fool with that. Every time in Scripture he says, I'm done, it was done. Every time. I'm done. Peter, do you love me? That was a done moment. Peter, do you love me? That's a done moment, Peter. What are you going to do, Peter? Make your choice. That was a moment of a done done. If Peter said, I ain't doing this no more. Thomas, what you say, Thomas? Are you going to follow me? He said, Paul, how do you get that? Mark chapter 16. He says it. Those who believe, I come to you, I walk with you these 40 days. But those who believe, folks, God is a just God. Don't play with him. I understand because people see bad people living long and rich people that are evil getting richer and all this other stuff. The Bible said, don't let that twist you up. People can be rich, but when I look at them from heaven, they're broke. Their riches, they are naked right there in Revelation 3. Wretched and poor. Rich people could live poor in heaven. God don't need no master's degree. He don't need no preachers in heaven. He's the preacher. Need no doctors in heaven. Who getting sick? Well, I'm a teacher in the school district. Who's going to school? It's what we do for Christ that lasts. That's why he says this, folks. I'm just, but I'm full of grace and mercy. Watch this. Because God, I, I, I don't like verse 23. I must admit, I don't have to like it like green beans. Somebody tried to get me to eat broccoli yesterday. After they say they love their pastor, they offered me broccoli. Who eats broccoli? You got to put cheese on the thing or something. But you just can't eat broccoli just boiled. It's like eating medicine. 
and green beans. Uh, that's some nasty stuff. <laughs> you know how many whippings I got for not eating greens? I should be on the cross with Jesus with my back be busted up. Because my mama says, what I cook, you eat. But that, that's, that, that's, that's what verse 23 is like to me. Shall by no means, I need to eat it, because my wife made sure she got broccoli. So before anybody could say, hey, pastor, you want some broccoli? My wife already put it right in front of me. You're going to eat it, brother. I said, God, I, I married my mama. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Verse 23 is broccoli, green beans to me. Shall by, watch his words, by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers. Nor shall any of those who spawned me, who were bitter, angry, resentful towards me, understand the piece of dirt I was shared with them. They spawned me. He said it twice, you know. Look at verse 11. Now the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people spawn me? How would they, they, they literally resentful towards me. Can't stand me. He says, you ain't seeing your blessing. The promised land is your blessing. The promised land is in two places in our, what they call dispensation or covenant. Okay? Two places. The promised land is inside of us. And the promised land is heaven. So, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're talking about The promised land is inside of us. Paul would say, suffering to this present time, don't, don't bother me. He who's in me, John would say, is greater. No matter what you put in front of me, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm anxious for nothing because I could pray and talk to God who sits at the right hand of the Father. So literally, the world could become irrelevant no matter how bad it gets because nobody could steal our joy, which is the fruit of the Spirit. So the promised land is inside of us in the sense that because I walk with God, I'm never broke. He'll bless me. Because I walk with God, he'll give me the fullness of my life because I trust him. So whatever years he has for me, I live it all out. He says it in Psalm 128. You will not just see your children, you see your children's children because you choose to walk righteous. So when I walk righteous, he says, this promised land becomes your reality no matter how broke the world may be, how much disease the world may have, how many problems the world may have, it will never touch you. So there could be a storm, your house still there. There could be disease, your kids still coming through the door. There could be floods, I could still refresh your house and make sure that you got a better looking house than you ever had before. You can have a winter storm and your house come out better than it was before. Because I could literally keep you going. I could have your hoopty shaking but running. I could make sure your bank account could look broke, but it somehow gets some money in it because the person who trusted me walked with me. I will give you the promised land now. Because you live in heavenly places. And the promised land is when you get to heaven, God says, oh, come on, child. Let me put on a white robe on you. Let me put a crown on your head. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. I'm going to let you sit on the throne with me and share my throne with me. You will be in the promised land of heaven forever, and you will rule with me. You don't want to mess up your blessings. That's why he said, run the race that is fixed before you. Press towards the mark. That's the mark. But when we mess up, this is what he says. But my servant Caleb, do you know in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there's only two people called a servant? Caleb and Moses. You know why Joshua's not mentioned? Because Joshua's going to take over from Moses. So he says, Joshua's going in because Joshua's going to take over. Joshua's going to replace Moses. So I ain't worried about Joshua. Because he talks about blessing Joshua further down. So people say, what happened to Joshua? He says, Joshua's going to be good. But Caleb, watch this, folks. That's how God remembers you. So well, God, look at all this mess that's happening. Look at all these people going through stuff. God says, I still got my eyes on you. I'm still loving on you. I'm still taking care of you. I'm still watching over you. It doesn't matter how much crazy stuff is happening. I still got you. Still got you. I know the numbers of hairs on your head. Watch this. He says, I'm my servant Caleb because he has a different spirit and has followed me to fully 
No matter what's going on, Caleb is saying, come on, folks, in verse 30 of chapter 13, he says, and Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Moses, he, he couldn't even get the people to stop talking and going crazy, but Caleb did. We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for it will surely overcome it. That's Caleb. Caleb just keeps talking. Because hey, we spied out the land, verse 6 through verse 7. And we understand, but look at verse 8. If the Lord is pleased with us, then we will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. We got this. God says, in spite of the fact Caleb wasn't able to lead the people into the land, Caleb, I saw your attitude, and I will bless you, and I will bless the generation after you, and I will keep blessing you. Do you know what that means? People come in the land and attack the land, the Babylonians, all these people. But Caleb, I will keep your family going and going and going because you as the head of your family, you stood the test. And no matter how hard it was, you stayed the course. So I will keep blessing you, blessing you, blessing you. You will be dead and gone on. And I'll still keep blessing your family, your generations after you. I'll keep blessing them. Why? Because, Caleb, you did not turn from me. Well, folks, people may walk away from God during these times. Where is God? Over four million people died. Where is God? He allowed all this racism to be back into our culture. All this pain you see people go through. He's allowed so much to go wrong. Where's God? <laughs> but there are those who say, I'll press towards the mark. <laughs> I could be shipwrecked, I could be bitten by a snake, but I'm pressing towards the mark of the higher calling. You see, you could spend all your days focused on your problems or spend all your days focused on how do I obey God through them. You can spend all your days being anxious about what how tomorrow is going to be. Or you could remember that God says tomorrow is in his hands. So let me just focus on today. You can focus, God, how am I going to pay my bills? Or you can say, God, you told me to give, so I trust you to respond. You see, it's not what you see. It's not the pain you see. It's not the difficulty you see. The issue is when you see it, will you stay the course? Caleb said, I don't care what them giants going to be doing. I don't care. I'll take the walls off. He said, go. I'm going. God says, I bless you for trusting me. He said, well, you know, oh, that's, a, that's an Old Testament thing. No, in New Testament, you abide in me and I abide in you. I will, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you could do something for a while, but it dies out. Something for a while and it dies out. You're always fighting, trying to make things work and it gets harder and harder and harder until you get tired and want to give up. Because you can't come up with nothing. But if you abide in me, I will grant you the desires of your heart. You know, folks, uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember years ago, they told me that Pierre got two days to live. I'll never forget that day. Sorry, your son got two days to live. If we don't fix this problem, he's going to be gone in two days. My wife obviously loved her son. She ain't leaving that hospital. I remember saying, okay. I got to go home, get, make sure she's taken care of. Got to figure out how I'm going to keep my job during this time. Pierre is bouncing up and down on the bed. i never forget that. I come in the room. Pierre's just jumping around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, for some reason, that stirred in me. God, he so trusts his parents that he is, it's irrelevant what the problem is. I don't know why that hit me. But I decided at that moment, oh, God, you know what? You got my son. He trusts you through us. We will trust you for him. I'll never forget, where are you going? I got to make sure I still have a job. Health insurance got to pay this bill. Let me work on that, baby. Praying, praying, praying. Doctor came back and said, the medicine is working. No, God is healing. That's what I see. I didn't say nothing to him. I let him go through all his medical stuff. But I say, God is healing. Why? It's not 
how difficult it is, how painful it is, how hard it is, how many issues you got facing. The issue is, are you going to be like Caleb? God, I don't care what the difficulties are. What are you saying I do? And I'm going to go about doing exactly what you say. I'm going to, because at the end of the day, God, my life is in your hands. My tomorrow is in your hands. The next breath I take is in your hands. Whether or not Satan could do this or that is all up to you. Because you tell me you'll never give me more than I can bear. I can make it through everything because I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I don't have to do anything but trust and obey every day. The victory is yours because you are God. You reign. You are committed to me. You never turn your back on me. You never forget, never stop forgiving me. You would never forsake me. So God, it doesn't matter what I face. It matters who I face it with. And that's why God says, say, say, God says, hey, leave from here. The Amalekites are waiting for you to kill you. But take these people a different way. Where did we start out? That God has a different way. Whether we are following him or disobeying him, he still has a different way. Why? In thick or thin, he is there. In thick or thin, he never forsakes. In thick or thin, he never turns his back on us. In thick or thin, he never forsakes us. So the Bible is saying, okay, I'm not taking you into the land, but I'm going to make sure nobody touch you. I'll make sure nobody kill you. I'll make sure these Amalekites are sitting behind that mountain. Don't get you. I'm going to make sure that these Canaanites don't destroy you because I'm not going to fight for you, but I will protect you. Why? In thick or thin, he's always there. <laughs> you know, folks, I enjoyed this series, In the Wild. It's not going to get any better. There are going to be better days every now and then. But it's not going to be totally better days. It's going to be up and down, up and down, up and down. And I keep saying to y'all for the last almost two years, how do we make it through? That is how we survive in it. How do we make it through? We should come out of this better than we went in. Trials are supposed to perfect us. Trials are supposed to grow us. Trials are supposed to mature us. Trials are supposed to teach us. Trials are supposed to make us stronger. Trials are supposed to make us experience God more. Because if I don't mind being released, I don't want to be released from God's will. God will release you. Okay, hey, go this way. You, 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 I'm still going to protect you, but I'm releasing you. I don't want to be released from God's will. Because even though he walks with you, there's no blessings. Even though he walks with you, there's no, there's no God saying, I'm going to sustain you to be in the promised land and experience the promised land. I want the blessings. I want to see God pour down his blessings on his church, on his people, throughout this community, and throughout the world. I don't want to see him ever walk away from that. I want his presence here to walk with us, to teach us, to grow us. I don't want to ever see that happen. Because we don't have church, we just have a gathering. We don't have a place where you grow, it's a place where you are. Yes, they went out to the wilderness, he still gives them a fire, the cloud, he still fed them manna, but there was no promised land. There could be churches everywhere, but do they become the promised land? That blessing will allow him to us to experience him in the thick and thin. Living word, where do we want to go in this wild? Challenge you today. Where do we want to go in the wild? Are you surviving? Are you striving in the wild? Are you stressed out or are you growing from distress? I understand it's stress. There's preachers quitting, leaving churches. They can't handle it. Where are we? Are we letting the pressure of this life, you know, like a potter, like a clay in a potter's hand, mold us, make us better? Living word. Let's be better. Don't let us come out of this the same way. Let us stand. He has stuck with us in thick or thin. He sustained his church. Thanks to many of you who stood by us. 
giving and serving. We have been able to accomplish more and it has made us better in this pandemic because in thick or thin, God has sustained us. Just don't be alive in the thick. <laughs> be strong in the thin. That's when you see to him, say to him, God, I believe you, Lord. You're like Caleb. God, I'm going to do what you say. Who are you today? Are you the ten spies or Caleb or Joshua? Who are you today? Come today and let me pray with you today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, church doesn't save you. Christ does. You got to believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead. You have to believe that in your heart. You have to have a commitment to surrender your life to God. And when he sees that commitment in your heart, that commitment caused him to come into your life. Until then, you're not saved. Many, many say, Lord, Lord, but few will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody that say, I'm saved is saved. The Bible is literally telling us that. You got to show by your fruit that you're saved. Because when Christ comes into us, he's, we are a brand new creation. So today, there are three things we'd love for you to do. Come, let me pray with you so God keeps you strong in the thick and the thin. And you don't walk away from him. You stand with him. You could join church. Pastor Lawrence is over there and become a part of Living Word Fellowship Church. Thank God that he has grown his church even through COVID. God, God, God be the glory. Or you could give your life to Jesus Christ. I want you to come and just give your life to Christ by standing over here to my left, your right. But today, today, when you come to the crossroads like this nation did, are you Caleb and Joshua? Or are you the ten spies? Totally relying on circumstances and totally relying on the anxiety and the stress and the fear and being rocked by all of it and going your way when you feel this way, going your way when you think this way because they focus on their logic and their own understanding and missed out on God's blessings. How do you do this? Ten spies or just two that walk God's way? Come today as we sing this if you're online, stand up. I'm available to you. Oh, my will I give to you. I'll do what you say. Use me, Lord, to show How do we respond? Do we respond with a commitment to Him? Or do we respond to a commitment to our feelings or our own understanding? Come today. Say yes to God today. Don't turn your back on God, folks. Don't do this. When you know He's talking to you, you say yes. When you know He's moving on your life, you say yes. Let him figure out the rest. Let him decide the next step. You just say yes. Just say yes. That's all Caleb said was yes. I don't know where it's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to fight this war. These guys are giants. We're slaves. We don't fight in wars. We haven't been trained as warriors. But I'm going to do what God says. He didn't rely on logic. He didn't rely on his feelings. He just did what God says. Come to Christ today and walk with him today. My soul is and I am available to Come up one step for me, please. One step. One step. Let us pray. Oh, God. We all struggle at times, God. When there are walls in front of us. When the situations in our lives are giants. When sometimes it's not giants, it's lions just on us every day. It could be disease, it could be health issues, it could be just depression. We're trying to over that overwhelms us. But God, sometimes we feel we don't have any more strength. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to make it. So God, today as I as we stand here, 
God, I pray that you would bring a verse to our minds, bring a healthy Christian song to our minds. You would cause us to turn on the radio at the right time and have a healthy preacher on there preaching the truth. Lord, you would cause each person that is standing here to not surrender to their own understanding, but to surrender to your will. So God, when they're battling, they're battling to find out what do you want them to do? How do you get them to do that? They will seek godly advisors to figure out how. They would pray for wisdom, remind them to pray for wisdom. But Lord, I pray this on their lives right now. They will never give up. They will never turn away from you. So God, they experience your power in their weakness. Experience your strength in their weakness. Experience your wisdom in their weakness. Experience your presence in their weakness. So God, do you bless them for their faithfulness. Lord, don't let them miss out on their blessing. Don't let them miss out on your great presence in their lives. So when Satan tests them, I pray God, they wouldn't test you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We got counseling around here. We got life app around here. We got a lot of different things to help you. So don't just think we pray with you. We walk with you. Okay? You may go back to your seats. Don't forget afterwards, we're going to spend some time celebrating faithfulness. That's what's being modeled today. Faithfulness. Don't just see Lindia. See faithfulness. Okay? Before Lindia could get sick, there's a daughter that is an RN nurse. Faithfulness. Before Lindia could get sick, there's a daughter and a man of God who's taking care of his family who will be a good son to her. Okay? That's God. God will cause LaKendra to marry this young man and provide him the, them the salary ability to buy a house to take care of Lindia. That's God. God was way ahead of this. Okay? Vicky took care of her when things were down and took care of her while she was in Houston, getting her in and out of the hospital. God could have had her be a barren woman so that when she came to this time in her life, she's alone in a senior center. But her faithfulness gave other people faithfulness to take care of her. You got to see that. 